Paradox, man. You guys excited for part two? I'm excited for part two, but first of all, we want to welcome you to church today, everybody. Everybody watching online, so glad that you're here. On behalf of our lead pastor, Jordan, and the entire NC staff, we want to welcome all of our guests. Come on, everybody, let's make some noise for our guests today. So glad that you made it out. We are in a series, we're going to get right to it, called Paradox. We started part one last week. We talked about death for life. Very powerful paradox, if you would, a very powerful statement. Jesus always brings powerful statements that has the ability to transform our life. So what you think about Jesus, I want you to think about the words of Jesus that comes from the, the presence of God, that comes from the word of God. The thing about the words of Jesus, the thing about the, the scripture, the thing about the inspired word from God that was inspired then, that's inspired now, is that it's living it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates, penetrates our life and uh, leaves everything uncovered in our life to whom we must give an account to. And that's the power of the scripture. There's no other word powerful, more powerful. It's infallible. And the thing about the word of God is it has the ability to produce something in our life. And I believe that the, the, the pure our life is, uh, or let me put it this way, the more we co-labor with God and, and, and do our part, God's faithful to do his part. In other words, I, I believe that uh, our hearts like soil and the presence of God, uh, when we worship God and we, and, and, we, and we embrace what God has for us, it's like the tiller that tills up the soil. And you know, the soil in our life, there's hard spots in our heart. And there's hard spots that come and there's hard spots that go. But if we continue to have our heart tilled, these words, these paradoxes will have power, not just some cool little saying. And so my prayer is always that the, the word of God would find itself in good soil in my life so that it can produce something, 30, 60, 100 fold fruit. So it actually has the ability to accomplish something in my life. So the thing about the word of God, when, when, when the hearer hears the word of God, you then begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that it can find itself in a good spot and go deeper into your life and form a root. That root forms up and it begins to bear much fruit. It's a new way of thinking. It's a spiritual lifestyle. We're eating from the tree of life that's able to change our life. Last week, death for life. This week, Strength for weakness. Strength for weakness. When you think about a paradox, you, you, you know the definition, we like this definition, a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. That's what we're doing today. I, I love Jesus because he said some amazing things. He said some powerful paradoxes. He, he used riddles. He used parables. And it got everybody's attention. Thing about Jesus is he brought something new on the scene, a new, a new paradigm, and, and it's the same for us today. You know, there's a program out there, we call it the world, the world system, the world's way of thinking. I, I equate it to a program, and we've all been programmed, and now we're being reprogrammed by the word of God. That's right. Is that word programming you? You better believe it is. Want to let you in on a secret. If you're watching online, 
Are we just being pro programmed here? Yes, we are by the, by the living word of God because the program that we're in before God is it's got a virus, everybody. Can you agree with that? Yeah, I can. Yeah, it's good. Amen. Let it be. That's right. Once you acknowledge that, growth begins to take place. Until you can acknowledge that, you're in pride. We're going to talk about that. And that's what we're doing. We're investigating. We're investigating these paradoxes and, and, and looking a little bit behind what we see written, the spiritual side of things. I don't want you to be fooled to realize the Scripture is spiritually discerned. Now, that's why without the Spirit of God, the Word of God's just more less than a story. You know, when I, before I got right with God and received the Holy Spirit in my life, I, I knew about Noah. I knew about the ark. Yeah, I knew about that guy named Jesus. But when I experienced God and the presence of God impacted my life and the Spirit of God dwell in this mortal body now, it's pretty bad, isn't it? All of a sudden, the things that I were reading became alive because they were otherwise spiritually discerned. So my mind was blinded to the things that are of the Spirit. They were spiritually discerned. And so I want you to realize that we receive the things of God through the Spirit, not necessarily our five senses. And we're going to investigate these things. You know, some examples like less is more. That's a paradox. We talked about that just briefly last week. Less is more. And when you... Here's one, when you grow in your knowledge, you find out how much you really don't know. That's true. You know, when, you, when you get in the presence of God, you find out how much you really don't know. You know, you can blow a lot of hot air on Monday, but when you get in the presence of God on Sunday, your hot air, <clears throat> then you realize all that hot air you blew. Hopefully, tomorrow you won't blow any more hot air. <laughs> smells bad anyway, your breath smells. Having strength and weakness, it's a sobering message. I think it can be a pivotal point for some of you in here today. How's it possible? How can we find strength and weakness? Well, you know man's strength is limited. We all know that. You, you, I can tell you one thing. We don't need a spirit of God necessarily to tell us when we're weak, we know we're weak. When you're suffering, you know you're suffering. When you're in pain, you know you're in pain. And you know you've tried everything you can when you're in that pain. You do. You scramble. I scramble. How about you? I scramble. You know, we scramble as people just like kids. They scramble. They touch that hot stove, but they scramble off and they're crying. But the finger's burning. It ain't nothing you can do about it. And we scramble in pain. And that's natural. But, but with God... These things are possible. These paradoxes are possible. So when we think about weakness, the first thing we got to think about is we want out of weakness versus embracing God's strength within our weakness. It's the big idea, by the way. So if you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, this is the season to start taking notes. I know I can tell you why it's true, just to be honest with you. I can't really remember all that, what I preached three months ago. How about you? I can't say, wow, you're, you're, you're not that smart. I know. <laughs> I know. But I believe God has some thoughts for you to meditate on because it's, it's, you got to take more than just hearing here. You got to go home and meditate and integrate. 
We're going to look in 2 Corinthians. Uh, Paul the Apostle, he's a guy who wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. Church in Corinth had some problems going on. But he's going to really tap into this idea, this paradox uh, of having strength and weakness or strength for weakness. But picking up the story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, I must go on boasting, Paul speaking here, although there is nothing to be gained. Excuse me. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. In other words, he's saying there's nothing gained in self-boasting. Remember that. There's nothing gained in self-boasting. That's a spiritual perspective versus a worldly perspective, right? A lot of people boast in its self-gain. He said, look, there's, there's there's nothing to be gained here in boasting. And he's writing to church in Corinth and evidently, based on some theological understanding and theologians and commentaries, the the thought is, is that Paul the apostle was being discredited by false teachers. In other words, they were saying, yeah, you're listening to this guy, Paul, but check out my credentials, everybody. Uh, Check out the visions that I'm getting from God. Uh, listen to the wonderful experiences that's happening with me. My gospel is certified or my message or my false teaching is certified. What was happening in the church, Paul had a heart for the church and he didn't want them to be deceived by false teachers. Side note, there's false teachers here today. I'm not talking about in this room, but maybe there is or one or two of you strange birds. There's false teachers out there. There's false teachings out there and you can get a hold of it. 1-800-GOOGLE, real easy. (laughs) But he said this. He said this. He said, you know, I'm gonna gonna be a little bit sarcastic here just to let you guys know I have credentials, although I'm not really gonna talk about my credentials. So he said it this way. I know a man in Christ. It's kind of cool when you do that, you're talking about yourself. Verse two, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was called up to paradise, the third heaven, and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. Evidently, these super apostles is what they called themselves. These false teachers were telling all about the things. So when somebody tells me they know everything about heaven, I run. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those. No people have dreams and all that, but let me tell you something. He said, you want credentials? I'll give you credentials. Outer body experience in paradise. Next, Hebrew of Hebrews. Next, scholar of the word. Next, you want any more credentials? I don't need certification You are my certification, is what Paul the apostle was saying. You are the church that I labored with. You are the church that I birthed from my heart for what God has done in my life. Don't be deceived, in other words. Stay on track. These guys are blowing hot air. The third heavens were talked about often. The first heaven represents the atmosphere, the birds, right? The second is the solar system the sun and the moon and stars. The third is the place where God dwells, the creator's domain. He said, yeah, I was there. Outer body experience, I'm not sure. Next. Since let me put all that out there for you. Here's what Paul was saying. He said, you're looking for credentials and I'm teaching you to look to Christ who came in the form of a man and a bondservant. 
knives a king. He said, you're looking for credentials. I'm going to show you a credential. His name is Christ. I'm going to show you strength and weakness. Verse 5, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. In other words, I'm not going to blow a bunch of hot air with all my deep revelations and outer body experiences. I'm not going to talk to you about how I was raised up, circumcised on the eighth day, Hebrew of Hebrews, scholar concerning the word religious elitism and political power. I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about that. Struck down on Damascus blind, caught a vision from the Lord. Then my eyes were opened again. No, we're not gonna talk about that. Here's what I'm gonna talk about though. Verse six, even if I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I say or do. He was basically saying, if these teachers are not pointing to Christ and all you do is see their reflection, they're false teachers. Sir, that I might see Jesus, right? Basically, Paul was saying, I'm not here to perform for you like false teachers, the super apostles. I'm not a clown in a circus. There's a lot of clowns out there clowning around and let it not be said that about us. The attention was kept and put on Christ alone. The crucifixion and the resurrection, that's the gospel, by the way. I must decrease, he must increase. There's only one chief cornerstone in his name is Jesus. He, he's aligning them as he's gonna bury into this message, strength for weakness, verse seven or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. That'll twist your thinking. Verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. This is a, this is a, this is a very powerful portion of scripture what I realize is that because Paul was interacting with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, he, was ha he had the ability, he was given the ability to take a perspective on the thorn in his flesh. And he said, this thorn is training me in humility. Do you know that that takes the power of God, the presence of God to give you that perspective and then embrace it like Paul the apostle did? He was teaching them the true gospel of Jesus, he didn't want to give him any watered down version. He, 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 he said, this thorn is training me in humility. Some, some interpretations say that the thorn was a, a physical ailment in his body. He had pain, let's just put it that way. Paul had pain and pain is a place of weakness. What we, what we have to realize is there's thorns in our life. There's thorns that are seasonal. There's thorns that are ongoing. And they're there. And if they're not there, they're coming. And Paul, he said, he pleaded with the Lord. He said it pleaded with the Lord three times to take, the, take it away from me. Like, God, get me out of this. It's a good place to start. Pleading with the Lord. And so we got, we got to pray for the thorns in our life like Paul. We got to pray during this season. We got to pray in our weakness. We got to pray in our trial. We got to pray in our, in, in, in our pain 
so that our perspective in pain can change. Our perspective in pain can't change without prayer, without, without interacting with the Spirit of God. You're gonna fall short, I promise you. We gotta pray for the perspective in the pain like Paul. He said, it's training me in humility. We gotta pray that, that God would give us a strategy out of it, that it would actually be useful and it would, it would be a strategy out of it and in it, even if heaven is the plan, by the way. Meaning, well, I guess this is it, but it's not it, heaven is it, where I'm gonna dwell in eternity, that's my strategy. You can run it all the way out if you would. There's nothing wrong with asking for strategy in your pain and in your thorn. And letting God shape your perspective and allow that pain to produce something, but then a strategy either out of the pain in this temporal life, could be a strategy from the Lord, or your other strategy is eternal life with the Lord. Either way, strategy. We need grace and we need power within the pain, within the thorn, like Paul. Verse nine, but he said to me, this is the Lord's answer, after pleading with him three times, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, therefore, because of that, because his power is made perfect in weakness, this is Paul teaching the church. Therefore, this is where he really buries the super apostles, the false teachers right here. He just goes ahead and buries them. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. The significance here is that Christ's power wants to rest upon you in this season. It's very significant, and Paul started understanding the workings of God's power, the grace that was endowed upon his life, the supernatural ability to where when he saw weakness, he took a different stance. He said, grace is coming in my, my weakness, which is strength to accomplish the will of God within what's going on in my life. By the way, the storms in life and the thorns in life and the trials in life are not supposed to stop you, but they're supposed to catapult you. Because what, what happens to us as people, we forget about this gospel and, and, and the trials and the thorns and, and the shortcomings and the pain stops us from producing for the kingdom of God. And what Paul was saying, I even gladly take to perspective. I welcome weaknesses. I welcome thorns. I welcome trials and tribulations because I know when I'm weak, I am strong in him and his power is resting upon me. And because his power is resting upon me, now I'm able to, to sustain and to continue to produce fruit and serve and work and build his kingdom. And, 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 and God is able to work in your life. We'll see how that works. He does. You know that word power means a force, really a force, dynamite power, supernatural power from God. And in pain, we gotta realize that God is our only source for this force. And then we can take the stance of Paul who said, I take pleasure in my weakness. You know, you think about power resting upon you. There's a cool story in the Old Testament. There's a guy named Samson in the Old Testament. I don't know if you ever read about Samson. I encourage you to do. 
do it. And go to the book of Judges, look in there a little bit. Samson was a legendary Israelite. He was a warrior. He was a judge known for his supernatural strength. He basically killed a lion with his bare hands. That's pretty tough, by the way. That beats UFC by, by, by a long shot. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's like, dude, that's some serious stuff. He killed an entire army of Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Now, that would make a good movie. I don't care what you say. All the graphics there, by the way, don't take anything out of the scripture. <laughs> Parental advisory. <laughs> this guy, Samson, he took a Nazarite vow. The Bible talks about a Nazarite vow. Basically, he vowed not to do a lot of different things. And this power was on him because of this vow, but it wasn't necessarily the vow. It was the, it was the person behind the vow. His name is Jesus. And in Judges, he, he, in chapter 16, he, he was dating this girl. See, Samson had a woman problem. Oh, that didn't sound very good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he had a woman problem. I'm going to just say right there. Samson had a woman problem. And for you women, uh, 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 you're not the problem, I hope. He had a woman problem. The problem was within him. And, and, and he started sharing all of his secrets, if you would, the secret to, to his potency, to his power. And uh, he began to give all the cards away in his life and, 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 and basically turned from the, the God of the vow to the God of his flesh. And he had this girl he was talking to. Here's what he told her, verse 17, because she kept begging him, wanting to know how he got his power. She, she, wanted, to, she wanted the spades, right? She wanted the card. Verse 17, so he told her everything. He said, no razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, and if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. He made a statement there. He said, my strength would leave me. Self-sufficiency began to set in in his life. That's what happens to us. We, we, start, we start on a course of self-sufficiency, and this ego. You know, one guy said ego, it's like an acronym, edging God out. Edging God out. And that's what, he, that's what we slowly do on accident, everybody. That's why the Bible says, which by the way, let me help you, we should come together. The Bible calls it an assembly. We call it church services. We come together so that we can encourage one another as we move on to eternity. Because if not... Over time, and in accident, you begin to edge God out. You just, you just begin to edge God out of your life. And uh, that's what was happening to old Samson there. He edged God out, he gave away his secret, and then he thought he was gonna still be operating in his power. Watch what happens. Judges chapter 16, verse 20. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Here's the guys he killed with, with a donkey bone. They're always after him, you know what I mean? Had a warrant on him. He, he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Great deception now has set in. We are deceived whenever we take credit for God's strength in our life. We are. We are deceived. And deception is a powerful force in our life. 
and the power that he possessed was from the Lord. I like to say this from the book of Samson, never forget where you came from. Ne never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. There's a church in, in the book of Revelation and the spirit of God was like, there's, this is what's wrong with this church. There's a bunch of different churches and the spirit was basically saying, this is what needs to get straightened in this church. This is what needs to get straightened in this church. And to one of the churches, it says that you lost the, the, the first love. You, you, lost, you forgot where you came from. Your childlike faith, faith has now conceded into ego and you've edged me out. What I love about God, though, this is what's so amazing about the God we serve. In an instant of a millisecond, the Holy Spirit can reveal to you that you've edged God out. But when you recognize that by the Spirit of God revealing that to you, not a man, all you have to do, everybody, is say, you're right. I'm wrong. Here I am. And in that very millisecond, the Spirit of God integrates and turns this supernatural dial in your life, and that hard part, that stony part of the soil, then is tilled out in a millisecond of worship. And then all of a sudden, the things that God's saying starts to become more and more fruitful, and you start becoming more and more pliable. That's how you walk in the Spirit, by the way. That's how you overcome You know, talking about Christ's power, Paul summed up this particular thought to the Corinthian church right here, getting back to Paul and his letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulty, and this is the famous statement, for when I am weak, then I am strong. He summed it all up, everybody. He, he said insults, he said weaknesses, he said difficulties, he said hardships. He said, we're all gonna have those, but we can stand like Paul, and he was training the church. He was a living example of the gospel working, everybody, he was a living epistle. He's saying, don't be deceived by these false teachers that are blowing hot air and not even pointing to Christ. Let me show you how the gospel works. I'm a living epistle. Learn from me. Follow me as I follow Christ. And then you'll be able to stand and say, I am strong when I am weak. How are we gonna tap into this power? Number one, we said it, prayer. Number two, we just did it, worship. In the church, out of the church, exalting God above the thorn. Number three, meditation on the truth that's found in the scripture. Maybe God's speaking to some, some of you today and you've gotta take what God is speaking and, and then you've gotta bring it home and you've gotta toil over it. You've gotta meditate about it. You've gotta think about it. You've gotta pray about it and you've gotta ask the Holy Spirit to integrate that truth into your life, making sure that the soil of your heart is proper so that then it can bear much fruit, it can gain a root in you, and that root is able to sustain you right now 
where you're not taken out by the, by the devil, where you're not taken out by your pain, where you're not taken out by your trial. In this very moment, God can establish a root of the gospel on the inside of you, even if you've been following Christ for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and it, and, and, and it, and it, and it strengthens you and solidifies you, and then you stand when you shouldn't be able to stand. That's what it's all about. This is what Paul was trying to say. You want credentials? I'll give you credentials. For when I'm weak, I am strong. One of the greatest ways to tap into the power of God in your pain is submission. Will you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Submission. I know some of you in here are not following Christ. And this is a sobering word, really. It's a, it's a straightforward word. And we wanna give you the opportunity to respond to what God's doing in your life. You're gonna be able to receive Jesus. If that's you, I know, and you know God's dealing with you. I'm gonna pray a prayer for you right now. You're just gonna tell God, I agree with you, Lord. You're gonna say, God, that's me. I'm gonna pray a prayer, and, and, and what we believe is that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose again, that we'll be saved, we'll be on a trajectory to an eternity with God, the third heaven, the place of paradise that Paul was talking about. So if that's you, I'm gonna pray this prayer, and you're gonna say, yes, Lord. Just say, Father, I submit to you right now, God. Submission. Great thing about pain and trial, a lot of times it'll point us to God. I submit to you, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, God. Thank you for removing my sin, God. I believe in you. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. My life is yours. I'm following you now, Jesus. Now I wanna pray right now for every person who's in a season of pain that has thorn in their life. Father, I'm praying for every person right here, right now, God. I'm praying for Christ's power to rest upon you. I'm praying that grace, supernatural grace, would, 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 would invade your life, God. I'm praying that you're, able, you're, you're gonna be able to stand up in the midst of pain, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a thorn, and say, you know what? For when I am weak, I am strong. I bind up the enemy off of these people's lives who are in pain. And God, I thank you that this pain can be progressive as you're teaching us right here in your word, God. Lord, I'm praying that we build our house on the rock of Jesus, not on self-sustainability like Samson. God, I'm praying that, that, that our roots of faith would grow deep and so that we really could be like the cedars of Lebanon, right? The oak trees of righteousness that are, planting by the, that are planted by the living water who, who's, 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 whose leaf never withers, that, that we are hope, that we're beacons of life, so sustain us, God. And then, Lord, I, I pray that we would take that perspective of counting it all joy. 
when you face trials of many kinds, knowing the testing of our faith produces perseverance and perseverance must have its work in us so that we're complete and lacking nothing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. You give it up for Jesus. He's good. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.